You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with your host, me, Trisha, your joyologist. What does claim it mean? I believe that is up to us to claim our joy, to claim our worth, to claim our value, to claim our enoughness. Doesn't matter what you have where you're at in your life, in your career, how much money you have in your bank, no matter how much success you have, I've seen it all. And it is up to us to claim it or else we won't necessarily feel it. Each week I have a conversation with someone I'm inspired and intrigued by and we talk about their journeys, the doubts, the fears, the failures, and how they got through it all. Today my guest is Joe Kudla. He is the founder and CEO of Viore, one of the fastest growing active apparel brands in the USA. He, yes, they make amazing clothing for men and women that you can work out in, lounge in, be active in. Um, and it's like a West Coast aesthetic that transis- transitions effortlessly into everyday life. Joe is a friend of mine. So I've got to watch him build this company in one version take it down, and then go back in fully. Go through his entire story, how he had such a fear of rejection that he put himself into getting a sales job and facing that fear. Yeah, like what on the outside looked like he was living such a great life, making really good money, working his own schedule, and realizing that he really wanted to do this passion project, create this clothing brand. And so he quit the good paying job and everybody thought he was crazy. Well, a lot of people did. And he started this brand. And uh, yeah, it's been great to see it grow for him and how he's navigated it all. And I loved uh, the conversation and the insights that he shared about his journey. So here we go. So hi, Joe. Trisha, hello. (laughs) It's been so long. So long. (laughs) So, so long. So, so long. When was it that we met? Do you remember the year? I can't. And I'm usually good at tracking things in my life because I can remember like, oh, I was on tour with this person. I was living here. So that must have been this year because I moved around and did so many different things. I don't recall. I feel like maybe 2009. I don't know. It could have been in the 2009, 2008. I think we're maybe coming up on 10 years. Wow. Coming up on 10 years of friendship. Because I don't even really know. Where I met you. <laughs> Maybe wow. I've, re- I've left that good of an impression. <laughs> no, I think, I don't know exactly where it was, but I, but I see where we met and I know that there were watermelons involved <laughs> because oh. we bonded over watermelon. I now got it. Oceanside. Yes. At a barbecue. You came with uh, Elisa, yes. whatever, to yes. the party, which yes. I don't know how she knew them that's funny we i didn't know that watermelon went back to the first day it did, the first day it all started with because we ended up it ended up being like a like scooter melon like was our we called each other or you called I, me I think, yes i don't know scooter melon <laughs> anyway it's a great fruit it, it is a great fruit if you're gonna meet and bond someone and start a 10-year friendship over something why not make it watermelon <laughs> Yeah, that is funny. So it was just a small, like, friendly into like party, maybe a fourth of. I don't even know what was happening, and that yeah, that we just started 
were both enjoying the watermelon and started talking. There was likely laughter because yeah, you guys have probably gotten used to there's lots of laughter yes. on my end all the time. <laughs> A little bit here and there. I live up to joyologist, I realize. No. Yes. It's actually a very, as you get older, you really, really learn how important that is and, and how much, you Laughter know, or joy? Or both. both. Just being able to like call that into your life and hold on to it and just yeah. cherish it. It's, it is, it's a special gift. It is funny now because the term joyologist was just thrown out for like, okay, so Trisha's the joyologist when I created that work for being on tour. And I even had a bit of a like, I don't know. I don't know if I like that word. I don't know if it feels, it feels like too hippie or like, what is that? It didn't feel like embodied me, but at the same time, I could never figure out a better word. So it stuck all that time. And it's funny because now that was uh, 2009 that that started. So you're saying that our friendship and the word. And I I don't know when I met you, but I believe I was already in that because my father had already passed away. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That happened in 2008. So yes. Yeah. yeah. Joyology and Joe <laughs> could have could have started in this. But anyway, but I what I'm meaning, like, I now am like so much even love and feel like, yeah, joy. Yes, joyologist. That like I'm so glad that I did take that name and that I've had to call myself into what is that term? Because I I'm not big for labels. Her names and you know, like, am I a coach? Am I a this or what? Like, you know, like whatever. But I'm like, oh, Joyelle just still is like feels fitting that I still can't figure out. Yeah, what else would be so? Yeah, joy is a very relevant word, and you know, you've got Marie Kondo. Yep, sparks yep, yep, joy. Yep. My daughter's middle name is Joy. My grandmother, who means so much to me, her name is Joy. It's it's everywhere. Yeah, and I do. I've also always been like. Mm, like cringe a bit at like, let's just be happy or be happy. Cause I feel like happiness feels like it can almost be like a forced thing or like, we just have to be happy or turn your frown upside down. And that joy feels like a fully embodied, like you're feeling joy. Whereas happy feels like do it. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. So. Well, maybe that's fitting. Cause you know, one of our company values at Viore, which I'm sure we'll get into <laughs> Is investment in happiness. That's what we're trying to do. Investment in happiness. And um, it kind of permeates a lot of the things that we do as a business, as a brand, as a family. And um, yeah, so maybe I'm a bit of a dictator. Who knows? A dictator? I didn't even know it. I'm forcing (laughs) happiness on people. I'm saying, this is a chore. That gets work. That's well, then that's just my opinion of the word and whatever issues I might have that some I don't know where that stems from, but anyway. So, yes, so we met over watermelon, but I also, but I feel like I thought we met through yoga somehow, but we must have connected because you practiced yoga. That's back true. Then, and I practiced yoga and I still do, and I feel like we. May have gone to some yoga classes. I'm sure we did. Yes. And we went to Wanderlust together. We did. Yeah. That's the only one I've still ever been to. Yeah, me too. Oh, <laughs> um, so thank you for inviting me to Absolutely. like and like having me go. But let's start then with like yoga. How did you find? Because I feel like especially th- these days I make up much more men must do yoga. And they always did, but there was always, in my experience, like maybe just one or two guys in a yoga class or whatever. So how did you get into yoga? 
Well, it was a combination of a couple things. Like I always tell people in the story of Viore that I had back problems, which is true. And a friend suggested that I try yoga. And that that is a that is accurate, but there's a much deeper story. Ooh, we're getting the scoop. We're getting the scoop. It was kind of like an interesting convergence in my life. I um, was married early, got a divorce. And I totally, I guess, I think I knew that, but yeah. forgot because I had a moment of like, what are you talking about? Jeff? Yeah. And, you know. So you got married early. I got married when I was young in my mid 20s, um, was divorced by 30. And, you know, I was just going through a lot of change. I had, built this incredible business that was super successful. And what was and the business? It was a staffing company. A staffing an company. An accounting, finance, technology staffing company. I kind of come wow. from an accounting finance background. Yeah, I knew there was some sort of like finance, but I couldn't, I was like, I don't remember what Joe used to do. Yeah. So I had this business. I, I was like, I remember it was finance business-like, but also that he was like this mellow, like surfer yoga dude. Yeah. I think, <laughs> you know, I definitely probably wore that side of my personality on my sleeve a little bit more than the other side. I think I was a little more, maybe I was a little ashamed or not super proud. I don't know what it was. But to answer your question, I was going through this phase where I just needed a deeper like check-in with myself. And it was actually uh, somebody who inspired me. I met her at a party and she told me all these things about my life that I thought were impossible that she could potentially know. Um, it turned out she was an intuitive. So you were just at a party and start a conversation with someone and she starts telling you things about yourself? I was at a party and um, I was part, you know, at that- I was par- you were I like- was partying. I was partying. I was Emphasis. not, I was having a good time. <laughs> the party. And um, it was like, I was going through a lot of change in my life, but I was probably partying a little bit more than I should have. And this lady came up to me and literally my friends came over and they're like, what is going on with Joe? You know, like I'm in the corner, like tears rolling down my eyes. And this lady's telling me all these things about my life, about my family, about how I grew up, about like my values. She was Whoa. telling me all these things about this passion project I was involved with, which was Viore 1.0. Um, and she told me that it was going to be incredibly successful, but she was like, here's the catch. She's like, it's not going to be with your current partner and it's not going to be in the current form that it's in today. And I was like very confused at that advice because here I am going like, Weird. first of all, how do you know any of this? Like, how do you know that I even have but this passion project? But how did that project? even happen? Did she start a conversation? And then like, how does someone just come up to you and start telling you things about yourself? So I know it was a while ago and you had been partying. So maybe you don't remember those details. No, I remember it okay. like it was yesterday, crystal clear. She just came up to me and she was just, she had this glow about her. So she just like, it, she was one of those people you just wanted to talk to. And she was like, can I tell you something? She's like, I just, I see something really clearly and I just, I'm feeling compelled. I don't wow. know why, but I'm feeling compelled. I need to share this with you. And she just started telling me things and it was kind of like, it would have been easy to dismiss her if she wasn't so spot on with what she was telling me about my life, about the inner feeling, like the things that I was dealing with internally, going back to like my childhood. Crazy. She essentially told me that I had this passion project that was going to be super successful. It was like she saw my future before I could see it, but she told me there were some things that I needed to kind of straighten out and just kind of get on a, the right path. And it was almost like I knew that internally. Like yeah. I, I knew it in my gut. Right. It was, she wasn't telling me anything that I didn't know. Right. But- she gave me this like little nudge and maybe that's what I needed at the time. And I remember 
I literally left that party that night. I went home. I didn't drink another drink of alcohol. I didn't go out on one date with a girl for like 12 months. And I went right down to a yoga studio in Del Mar called Bindu at the time, which was owned by Katie Brower. And um, Katie was the teacher at my first yoga class ever. Oh, I didn't know that. And Katie and I, like she tapped me on the shoulder and she just said, hey, would you mind sticking around after class? I want to talk to you. And literally- Is that at your first class? That was at my first class. And like Katie and I went and grabbed a tea and we just started chatting about life. And she's like, she has this whole like philosophy around like wizards and muggle, muggles, mogul, muggles from Harry Potter. I don't know if you know the reference, but anyway. I don't. Muggles are like ordinary people that live in the burbs and just go about their life kind of like unconscious. And okay. she's like, and then there's wizards. And she's like, I just wanted to find out if you're a wizard or a muggle. She's like, I had a feeling you were a wizard. And she's like, I just want to learn your story and get to know you. And her and I became very, very close friends. And did she decide if you were a wizard? I don't know what she concluded, <laughs> we'll actually. Have to ask her. Yeah, I'll have to ask her. But she um she and I developed a really long, a great relationship and friendship. And she inspired me and I I got really deep into yoga and yoga led to meditation. And and so anyway, that's kind of my story on how I found yoga as yoga. practice in my life. Okay. Yeah. And so when you were saying in that conversation that the passion practice, so did, at that point was Viore 1.0, as you called it, already started? Yeah. Which was the t-shirt, right? So that was the Viore that you probably recall. So you had the t-shirt line when I met you. Yes. Okay. I couldn't remember if that was shortly after, if you had already had it. Yeah, no, we were in the throes of it. So Viore 1.0, how, what started that? Was that your idea, a friend's idea? And that was t-shirts, but it was more than just t-shirts. It was more than t-shirts. Like we had a, a mission that we were on. We wanted to raise awareness for causes that we believed in. And so what we would do is partner with different environmentalists, humanitarians, people, musicians, people that we just thought were up to good things, had a positive message, and we wanted to f- be a microphone for them. And so we would design original art, graphic tees. It was all organic cotton, low impact dyeing, and we would print on the inside of the shirt a story, usually their words or a collaboration of our words and their words that shared their message. And then we would donate proceeds from the sales of those teas back to their organization that they were either directly involved with or an organization of their choice. That sounds amazing, but I'm guessing maybe challenging to make a profit. It was. I mean, we were only only donating, I think it was like 5% of sales okay. back. So you, we could have made that model work. Um, the challenge there was we ran into that 2008, 2009 kind of financial collapse. And at the time, Walmart started selling organic cotton teas. Mm. When we kind of started, organic cotton was more novelty. It, it wasn't everywhere. And then it became more and more mainstream and the prices came down. And yeah, it became a lot more challenging. And, and my business partner at the time, shortly after I had that conversation with that intuitive, came to me and said, hey, I'm going to um, take off in an Airstream and travel the world for for a while. So it kind of just all worked out how it was supposed to work out. But but yeah, Viore 1.0 is a project of the heart and um, it was a passion project. And that kind of goes back to like how here I was like this, this finance person with this like creative side of my brain that just never was being expressed in my day-to-day career. And I think that was just kind of burgeoning inside me. And so I was taking money that I was earning and investing it into creative projects and supporting other artists and creatives and kind of by default, like getting involved in these projects. So 
it wasn't only Viore. There was a project before that called Sammy Joe. So Viore 2.0 is actually my third apparel business. What was Sammy Joe's? Sammy Joe was a line that I started with um, my girlfriend when I was in my early- Clothing again. Clothing. What inside of you made you want to create, like, sure, there's people that have business jobs around the world and I sure they want to do something more creative. They don't like start a <laughs> clothing line. Like, where do you feel like, yeah, where do you feel like that came from? Well- Wait, didn't you used to be a model? Yeah. Thanks, Trish. <laughs> Um, I like, yes. So I was like, I just was like, did that come from may- being in that world or something? Yeah, I think that was my first little glimpse behind the camera, so to speak, and or behind the curtain and seeing what designers were doing was so inspiring to me. I actually hated being a model, but when I was in college, I never got an opportunity to go abroad or anything like that. And so I had never traveled to Europe. And when I graduated, I got this opportunity to go over there with a modeling agency in Milan and and do fashion week. And that turned into a two-year stint of just traveling and working for a bunch of different designers. And so I got a little glimpse into the world of design and apparel and kind of going back to when I was a kid, like I didn't, my family was like really rich in love and spirit, but we didn't have a lot of money. That wasn't really a value of my family that I grew up in. And so, you know, I, I guess like I always looked at like clothes as an expression of who you were and I loved following brands and seeing how brands were so like inspirational with how they curated these these like dreamy experiences that I wanted to be affiliated with. So you remember having that interest like high school, like before you were even a model? Oh yeah. Wow. The interest in brand and just kind of like always being intrigued by design, like specifically like fashion design was always something that was just kind of interesting to me. And so- I think when I got to Milan and I started seeing how the industry worked, I got a little more confidence and said, you know, I could do this. Huh. I feel like there's nothing that these people are doing that I couldn't do. And it, wow. it gave me a, a, like a confidence. And then, you know, when I was dating this designer, she was graduating from school and she was about to go work for a larger design company in LA. And I just thought she was so talented. And I just said, we should just do something ourselves. Like, I believe in you. Like, I'll help you with the business side of things, but I, I think that we can do something really cool. And I think you're, you're super talented. It'd be a shame to go work for somebody else. You should do this for yourself. And so that was the first venture. Okay. And then, you know, there's a long story there, but after about two years, we, we did decide to um, put that business on the shelf. And that was when the idea for Viore 2.0 or Viore 1.0 um, kind of was born. Okay. So, but what kind of thoughts come up? So let's start with, since the first line, you had a girlfriend who was a designer. So that feels like it's almost like you're got some, like we have got the start because you know industry. So when you went to start Viore 1.0, you were like, oh yeah, I could do this when you see other people like that. But what like fears and doubts and like what like real obstacles mentally and logistically like what came up for you that made you, did you ever come to turning points of like, what am I doing? I need to stop. What am I doing? This isn't going to work out. Yeah. You know. And what kept you going? I think, you know, fear is a really interesting conversation that I, I think I've had a weird relationship with fear my whole life. You know, I was a really shy kid and 
you know, again, going back to like, I was like a finance person, like finance and numbers and math came really easy to me, but like the creative side of me, I was very, very protective of. I never wanted to like put that on display. And so you did pursue finance because you loved numbers and math. Is yeah. that how you got into that? Yeah. I, and I still do. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, I was, it just came really easy to me. Like I was just always naturally good at math, but creatively, I, I never, like as a kid, I played sports. I was more like really in my physical body and I never really took the time to nurture a creative expression. Yeah. And um, so as I got older, it became more and more nerve wracking. The idea of like putting my art or my vision or my design like on display for the world to critique sounded very daunting. But I think like you know, I always go back to sports because like sports is what cracked me out of my shell and helped me get a lot of confidence. If it wasn't for sports, like I don't know what my personality would be like because I was really shy. I wasn't super social. And because I was naturally gifted at athletics, it just, I got a lot of friends and like that just naturally like kind of helped crack me out of my shell. Yeah. But I think as I've gotten older and I've been through enough quote unquote fail, you know, I don't like the word failure. Me but, neither. But, I, every time I do failure, I do the air quotes too. But it's, you know, <laughs> it's like, I know it's so cliche to talk about, there's no such thing as failure, but whatever, <laughs> whatever the word is, it was like an endeavor that I had an intention without have an outcome that didn't turn out to be that outcome. Right. And, you know, they are great learning experiences, but I've found that when I'm really afraid of something, like I'm, or I'm just, I have like anxiety, or it's like I feel like I can see myself on the other end of that, but I know there's something I need to go through in order to get there. Like I just, I feel like I just am drawn to it. Like I need to do this. Like after I left um, my first job out of college, after the modeling it was an accounting job, I was so scared of the idea of rejection and picking up the phone. So I went and got a sales job where I had to make 200 cold calls a day and I would just call people. Did you intentionally do that to get past your fear or that was just like, oh, here's a job? Like It was kind of a combination of both. I mean, obviously I thought that it was a good opportunity for me, um, but I was really, I had so much self-doubt of, as to whether or not I could do it. Like some people are just natural salespeople. It, for me, it was an acquired skill that I had to learn. Like I, it was really scary for me to pick up the phone. Like I remember those first phone calls. I was like, I cannot believe I'm calling a stranger right now. It was so scary. But you know, like over time, I just got past it. You know, and did, once like, I was, did it sort of like yeah, teach you that rejection? Like, did it teach you something about like rejection? Or I got comfortable with rejection. You know, I got comfortable with rejection in modeling because you know. Maybe I'm right. just, you know, you, you get no's all the time in any kind of an entertainment industry. Like as yeah. a model, you go in front of people, they judge you based on your appearance. They say next. I mean, you're just constantly being rejected, but it's a different kind of rejection when it's like, I'm going to have a conversation with you. I'm going to open myself up to you. And then you're going to slam the, the, the phone, you know, you're going to hang up on me. Yeah. Um, it's just, a, it's a scary thing. Like sales, when you're new to sales, it's a scary thing. And especially for my personality type, it was really scary. So it was a combination of like, I saw an opportunity in a business, but I knew I would have to push myself through this fear in order to get there. And like getting through to the other side was so liberating because I remember feeling like once I felt like I knew how to sell something and not be afraid of rejection, 
I felt like I could go and make a request of anybody for anything. And, and, you know, as long as it was like, you know, of course being polite and, you know, having an awareness, yeah. a social awareness, but like, it was like, I wasn't afraid to make a request. And was that, were you able to apply that in your personal life and not just in business? Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Cause I think a lot of people I know have a problem with asking and making a request. Absolutely. Because they're afraid. Yes. Of getting the no. Yeah, hundred percent. And what that no will mean, or what they're gonna make that mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's almost like you gotta just kind of like go in with this. It's not that you should have an expectation that you're gonna be rejected, but it's like you should go in with this idea of like, I'm so excited to like make these requests because like I know that if I keep doing it, I'm gonna get comfortable with it, and once I'm comfortable with it, the world is going to open up to me. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of really cool things that exist just on the other side of our fears, rejection, whatever, whatever yeah, we want to call it. I was like pausing there because I'm like in my own life, I, you know, I've been having a conversation in my head this week about something where I've been like, okay, I've been doing this, so I'm doing this. But then I'm like, hey, Trisha, remember that other thing that you've been wanting to do? You've been ag ignoring it. You've been avoiding it. Uh-huh. I hear you. Let me just finish this over here, but I'm doing this other really exciting thing. So I am doing that. And then I'll hear like, Hey, remember? And it's like, but that's because I have to sit down and I have to write the perfect email and I'm not ready to write the perfect email. or I don't know what that perfect email is. So I can't do that thing yet. And then like, and I have a conversation in my head as I'm just trying to distract myself of like, but you just have to start sending the emails because you could send 200 emails and get one. Yes you could end up sending two emails and getting one yes. And you don't know until you start sending the emails that have to do with that thing that yeah. you know you are meant to do and want to do. And you have to tell people about it because they don't know you were there to do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So that's why I was like, you were saying that. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't ask you any more questions because I was like, I'm getting the message again. <laughs> <laughs> funny. to do list for next week clearing the schedule <laughs> anyway <laughs> so back to you took on that sales job pushed yourself through the fear we got to that when i was talking about yeah like what fears came up with then when you're like gonna make this line and do you also feel like maybe it wasn't as scary because you had a job and a yeah. salary it wasn't like you're not doing anything else but yeah. that so it's 100%. sort of like hey it's cool if this exists totally yeah. I mean, the first time, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money, but I had a pretty decent job, like right out of college. Um, and, you know, my girlfriend at the time and I, like, I would work like 60 hours a week and then I would come home and we would pour glasses of wine and we'd turn on the TV and we would cut fabric. And then the next day at lunch, I'd take the fabric down to a factory and, you know, and then the next day I'd pick it up and we'd go home and we'd do a fitting, like just her and I, and go to back to our pattern maker and make adjustments. Wow. It was like, looking back, that whole experience was kind of crazy, but so amazing. That also, I'm guessing was easier because she was, in, she was a designer. She knew that. Whereas like, if you had just started on your own, then you wouldn't know fabric, pattern maker, this there probably would have been more learning. Well, it was a learning experience for both of us because, you know, while she was a designer, she knew how to sketch and convey like an idea. You know, she wasn't trained in sourcing. She wasn't trained in pattern making. She wasn't trained in manufacturing. And so those were all things we had to Got put it. together. So she was doing it for the first time too. And even though yeah. she had some 
she went to school for it. So she learned like, okay, this is how you sketch. This is kind of like how a garment like. But they're not like, and now you take it to this person and they do it. And like. <laughs> yeah, we kind of just had to, it was trial by fire. And, you know, looking back now, it was so, it wasn't a scalable process, but it was such a good learning experience. And it gave me, you know, it was just like, they kept building on each other. Like, you know, I would go into a little boutique. People must've been like, who are these two? You know, we were in our young, early twenties, we'd walk into a boutique and we'd be like, we have a line, you know, we would love to sell you guys our clothes. And occasionally we'd meet a buyer that was like, yeah, let's see it. And they would be like, wow, this stuff is really cool. And it would literally be like almost one-offs. We were making like maybe like 15 to like 30 units of each, you know? And yeah, it was just, I don't know. It's just such a naive, awesome. Right, I'm sure a lot of fun. people are like, "That's not how you approach it. You need we need, you need to follow this. Like whatever right. we only buy in these ways, whatever." But you don't know, and so that not knowing, in some ways, got you indoors than not having to. Oh, we have to do it this way, and this is we have to whatever show up at this yeah. trade show or this whatever thing that you learn about eventually. And that goes so much like now more than ever. Pretty much every business model across the board is being disrupted and changed by emerging technology. And so, like, it's almost a benefit in a weird way to have like a fresh perspective and fresh eyes on an industry and not be held back almost by the this is the template you follow if you want this type of business. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and we'll talk more about Viore. 2.0, the business that we're currently in now and loving and having a lot of fun with. But um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't have a lot of experience. You know, I had small out of the garage businesses that we were doing on the side, but but what we're doing now is at a very big scale. And we can go ahead and talk about that. So yeah, you had that line with your girlfriend. You did Viore one. 1.0, I keep <laughs> stumbling over that, which was the t-shirts that yes. were meaningful, organic cottons, giving back, your partner. My partner decided to go travel. World, And you did keep it going for a while by yourself or did that, was that no, the end? No, that was pretty much the time that we put it. And it was going though for a couple of years. Yeah, 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 it was going for a couple of years. And then, you know, he approached me and just it was just, we weren't really able to get out of the gates. And then the, the market kind of collapsed and the economy was weird. And we just decided, um, you know, that it, it was time to kind of close up shop for the time being. And so I didn't do anything in apparel for probably another like two to three years. It just kind of sat there and I always knew, you know, and I even told um, my business partner at the time when he, when he told me he was leaving, I said, you know, I, I know this sounds crazy where we're at today. And I said, but I know in my heart that Viore is going to be a very successful company. And I was like, I think you're making a mistake, but I totally respect it. And, um, and um, I told him I was going to keep moving forward um, on my own. And so I didn't really do anything for a couple of years, but you know, that was right around the time I was really getting into yoga. I was meeting new people. I was really inspired by just what was happening in Encinitas and all the creative energy around this community. And um, that was really when like, you know, like the, the seeds were planted for, for what was going to come. And what was that? <laughs> what were you starting to envision? And so, you know, if Encinitas is just for those who are listening that don't know, like, um, I feel like I'm on the board of tourism, but it's like Encinitas <laughs> is just the the raddest little town. It's sits along the California coast. 
Um, people here are just really open-minded. There's a yoga studio on every corner. People are really into fitness and health and well-being and you know, my friends, I was going to say they're really into fitness and well-being and, and like, yeah, we well, said open mind is that like, but there's other places in Southern California that can be really into fitness and can be attached to like, this is what we need to look like or whatever. Like, whereas, yeah, it's like it's making sure to tie in like the open mindness, but also like, I don't know, like free spiritness and that like taking good care of themselves, but also like enjoying life. Yeah. Not getting caught too caught up. Of yeah. course, there's people everywhere with the, like that are in every way like the but yeah. But yeah, cuz I'm thinking like other farther up the coast there's if you say like they're focused on fitness and wellness whatever oh, yeah. then they could be like obsessive about yeah, it. Yeah, and they are, you know, I just didn't happen to, I just didn't happen to leave, live there. So my experience was just directly correlated to my environment and you know, I was hanging out with these incredible people that were really inspiring to me. Um I met a guy named Chris Miller Chris was going through a lot personally at the time and he he had found yoga and Chris was a pro skater and um, him and I just really hit it off and he had started a couple of brands in the action sports space. Um, and, you know, we just started hanging out. We got this crew of people together and it was like this really awesome eclectic group of like pro surfers and yoga teachers and trainers and health coaches and we kind of just built this like group of friends and we were all surfing and going to um, the beach on the weekends and we were going to yoga class um, during the week and, you know, having potlucks and just, it was like this, it was just really inspiring. And Chris and I just kept saying like, why is there no apparel brand that speaks to us? Like we feel like- Us meaning men. Meaning like our community. It was really more about our community because- at the time, if you think what was happening, Lululemon was exploding. Yeah. They were everywhere. And there was a lot of brands that were kind of launching. When we were having these thoughts, there were other brands that were launching focused on kind of following in Lulu's footsteps, like yeah. other female premium activewear brands. Right. Because right now, there are so many out there. But they, those were just like, yeah, they were just starting up. But, but yeah, Lululemon was- They were just ideas and just starting. Mainly, and then little brands were starting to pop up. That's right. But they weren't like everywhere. No, they weren't everywhere. As a matter of fact, like when we originally were thinking about it, we thought that women's would be a part of the original launch, but- Yeah, I remember having like a sample yeah. of women's before yeah. you went. We went ahead, we moved forward, we made some samples. But like as we got into it, we realized- at the same time, there were a lot of other people having the same thoughts that we were with respect to the women's space. And so we really decided initially to launch and lead with men's. But, you know, going back to kind of the brand premise, it was this idea of taking inspiration from like the beach and our community here in Southern California, whereas most activewear brands are inspired either by like urban yeah. and street culture or they're inspired by team athletics. You know, if you think about the bigger brands, it, Nike, yeah. Under Armour, it's mm -hmm. very like, I will win. You know, it's very competitive in spirit. You know, our idea was like, we want to take inspiration from the aesthetic and the style, that laid back California aesthetic. And we want to bring that into activewear so that we're building product that we actually wanted to wear. It wasn't just for fitness. It was also... Um, product that would just be really comfortable and transition into your everyday life. We felt like that was really missing from the men's market. Yeah, I was going to say probably for sure from the men's because women's, it's like now it's 
so many people are just living in leggings. Yes. <laughs> and it's like at this like point, which is great. Me as well, a lot of the times. But yeah, like, but yeah, I now see like, yeah, men, it's like, well, they're not like, they don't really want to wear leggings. No. And I, what I remember is like back then, right when you practice yoga, you wore board shorts. Yeah, that's right. Because especially in hot yoga, but I'm guessing that board shorts are still not even like that flexible. Yeah, I mean, board shorts work for the most part, but you know, you don't get the support and you know, you don't get the, you know. Oh, support. I was like, support, because as a female, I'm thinking of like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like you feel pulled in. I'm like, oh, right. Those body parts you need support. Different kind for, of maybe. support. <laughs> Different kind of support. You don't want to reveal yourself too much in class, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't just that. It was just like, we loved surf brands. Like we grew up, we aspired to be, we loved other things outside of just yoga. We were surfers. Yeah. We lived on the beach. Like it wasn't just what, it was what to wear to yoga, but it was yeah. about, it wasn't just that. Just yeah. Even like wearing. It was like, why can't we make product that has the same aesthetic and spirit of a board short or just like type of brands that we love, but build it out of the best performance fabrics in the world and marry this idea of like beach culture, Southern California DNA and aesthetic with really high performance functioning um, construction fit quality and just marry that. And and nobody in our opinion was doing it. And we just felt like it was such an obvious open space that, you know, it just wasn't being addressed. And so there was nothing that my friends wanted to wear. Like Lulu was always like our girlfriend's brand. It really wasn't for us. They had men's stuff, but I remember even as a female, like looking at the like men's stuff or even like going to buy some for somebody I was working for. And it, yeah, it wasn't like, yeah. It wasn't anything that I was, it was like great quality. You're gonna look great in this. Yeah, it was good quality. They they it was like they introduced comfort and premium. It, they created the category premium athletic wear. It was Lulu created. And they did it. they did have options besides yeah. board shorts for options for men totally. to wear. And they yeah. and it was really comfortable. Again, it just felt like it was our wives' brand. And so and the aesthetic wasn't really right for us. So, you know, it's just a matter of literally, you hear it from entrepreneurs all the time, but we just wanted to create stuff we couldn't find. And we wanted to build product for our friends. And that's where it all started. Hey, it's me, Trisha, your host, taking a brief pause here because I have to tell you about this thing that seriously is changing my life. It makes me feel so good in my body, which then makes me feel so good in my mind and in my life. It's an infrared sauna blanket. Imagine a sleeping bag that is heated, but it's not just a like blanket. It's infrared sauna. A lot of people talk about those like wood box rooms that they go in for infrared treatments. And those are great, but I always like thought they were super uncomfortable to just like sit naked in this wooden box. This, you can put it on a bed, lay on the floor, whatever. You actually are fully clothed because it gets so hot. And then you zip yourself up into the sauna blanket and lay there for 45 minutes to an hour. I put a show on and you're able to be fully present to the show. Seriously tune out. And then you are in super detoxifying mode. It actually burns up to 600 calories per hour, which is kind of crazy. It boosts collagen. 
It improves sleep. It reduces inflammation, increases blood flow and circulation. It soothes sore muscles and joints. I do this because I do suffer from some chronic pain flare-ups. But so if I'm having a bad day with my body, I'll do it. If I just feel exhausted, I'll do it. If my body feels sore from working out or for driving or from standing a long time, I do it. And after I do it, I seriously feel so free, so light, like, oh, it's insanely amazing. (laughs) And that's why I'm sharing it with you. It's a bit of an investment, but not as much as the boxes. So it's about $500. But you can do an interest-free installment plan, which is what I did that made that easier to digest. And I love it so much that I got you guys a code. So you go to higherdose.com. That's the brand I have, Higher Dose. And go to their infrared sauna blanket and you can get $50 off with the code JOY50, J-O-Y 50. Plus do the installment plan. It makes it super doable, and I promise you, you will feel amazing. It's so detoxifying for your body, and yeah, it's kind of like getting a workout, and you just lay there. Of course, I still like to work out, but I just, I can't even tell you how amazing this thing is. (laughs) All right, I'm going to get back to the episode, but as you can tell, I'm super excited about it. Joy50, go to higherdose.com. Were you still working your finance job when you decided to launch Viore 2.0 and do the activewear? Did you start seeking investors? Because this time, right, you did it with the help of investors, or did you yeah. start first with your your guys' self and then go for investors? Yeah. So um, the company I was working with, um, it was a company I started. So I had two partners in that business. It was very successful. So going back to my childhood, all like that desire to like understand what it would be like to have money, I checked that box and I realized there was nothing on the other end of it. Like it was just like empty. Like yeah. it, it made no difference in my happiness. So like my feeling was like, I'm going to save enough money to give this a go. And you also, you had the money, you checked the money box and your work you enjoyed. It might not have been like your dream work, but you weren't. Were you miserable at work? I wasn't miserable. It was just like, I was young, you know? I was in my late 20s, early 30s, feeling like, is this all there is for well, me? Well, I just know, wanted like, to clarify, like, it wasn't even that, you know, like, you weren't miserable. You weren't like, this is my dream job. But you also, like, you had money. You could have been, like, totally yeah. happy living this yeah, job I mean, that you were running. I was in a business where, like, what we did, we I was in a sales job that, you know, I believed in what we were doing. We were connecting people with opportunities. It was fulfilling in, in, in some regard. But, you know, again, that creative part of my brain wasn't being expressed. And I just was too young. I felt like I had so much like energy and I, I just fe- had this feeling inside, like I want to do something meaningful, you know, something that has the opportunity to really make a, a mark and an impact in the world. And I felt like it wasn't there. And so it was scary. A lot of people thought I was crazy because I had amassed this incredible lifestyle where, you know, I was working probably hardly 40 hours a week. I was playing golf, surfing whenever the waves were good, had tons of money to travel, do whatever I wanted. We're pretty much working on your own schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Like I just, I felt like I had kind of accomplished what I had set out to accomplish there. And everybody's looking at you like, Joe, that guy's got it made. Yeah. It was like, why would that guy 
leave? Like, why would you leave that behind? You, I had it all. Like, I was young. I didn't have a boss. I was doing my own thing. And by the way, if you hadn't guessed from the fact that he was a model, outside, yeah, like, like Joe is looking good. His life looks good. Joe has has it all. I felt, I felt, <laughs> you know. But you know, inside, I was just like, I, I want to do something different. And so, you know, I kind of was going through that phase where I stopped drinking, um, I stopped dating, and I was just like, I was seeking clarity. I was like, I just need clarity. I want to call in clarity. This was again, second time. No, this is the first the time. First this time. is, okay, this is before time. I started Viore. Okay, this is like going back to that that path that kind of set me on this trajectory. Yeah. It was all about like seeking clarity in my life, and so, um. That process really evolved my social circle and starting to get like introduced to this new community of people that were really inspiring to me. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, like my friends don't care. They could care less. Half of my friends are yoga teachers working on a shoestring budget. I was like, God, I was like, it was like inspiring to me because I was like, I don't, nobody is judging. Nobody cares. Like I don't care about having money. I, I never went out and bought the shiny car or the big house. I, I always kept my overhead the same. No matter how much money was in the bank, I never changed my lifestyle. I, re- I learned about myself that I actually don't value this. Like, It's a nice to have. And it, it is important. Like, I'm not saying money isn't a great thing. It, will, it allows you a lot of choices in your life. It is important. But yeah. for me, that wasn't what was going to make me happy. It's not the answer. It's yeah. not like, I got this. So now I've got joy. I feel successful. I feel I'm enough. I feel I'm of value. I feel I have worth. I feel I have something, yeah, whatever. Totally. That, yeah, like the money helps so much. And like, I money's good. Yeah. I want money. We want money. It gives us many opportunities. Totally. But totally. there needs to be more. There needs to be more. And so I think that the more part for me might've been missing a little bit. And so I just felt like, I'm going to jump in with two feet this time. Like oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm cutting the bow lines. I'm walking away from this company that I built. I sold some of my shares to my partners, kept my overhead low. I knew that I had enough runway to get me through like a little bit over, you know, almost two years um, without taking a salary. And I was like, I'm going to go for this. Like, I believe in this enough. I think we can be really successful. I'm jumping in with two feet. How long did it, do you feel like you maybe have like fought with yourself for a while to get there? Did you like feel it like percolating within you or were you just, you know, like come to you like you got to go full in and went for it? I just knew because yeah. I had done the, the, the apparel business out of the garage and clothing for anybody that's been in the clothing business, you know, there's so many moving parts. It's a, it's a very dynamic, ever changing business. It, you have to embody it with your entirety of your soul if you want it to be successful. It's it's not something, in my opinion, you can do on the side. Well, that's what I was even going to say with Viore 1.0 is that perhaps for both of you, it was a side thing, right? So like yeah. it could only have grown so much unless you had hired someone else to like fully take it on or one of you had committed to it, yeah. probably. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. It's so you went to, there. I went there. I jumped in and it was scary, you know, because I didn't know. And I'd walked away from something I built. I was like, what if I never build that again? What if I never build something like that again? And I end up working somewhere in middle management the rest of my career, clocking in in a cubicle. And like, I was like, ah, that seems so scary to me. Like, but I had to do it. But I was also scary. But then at the same time, it must be like invigorating and like, 
okay, so now you got to be serious and you got to take these steps and take action because you don't like you cleared away that sort of safety net. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's something to be said for that, you know, like you don't want to admit that fear of failure is your, your biggest motivator, but you know, in a lot of ways, when you, when you have no other choice, but then to be successful, it's incredible how focused you can be. Yeah. And probably like constantly getting out of your comfort zone because you like, I got to make this happen. So how am I going to make it happen? Absolutely. And how am I going to make people believe in this vision that I have? Yeah. (laughs) Cause you can't do it alone. Totally. In your early days in uh, in entrepreneurship, I, that's why I love entrepreneurship so much. It's so raw, you know. You just you just have yourself and your mind, and like your mind can go to a lot of places. But it's you just are thrown to the wolves out there, and like you just have to figure it out. And it takes you know, it's a lot of sleepless nights. It's you don't know if you've got something. You just keep pushing forward, even in the face of like adversity, and you just you just don't know. So you're constantly in the unknown, which is a really uncomfortable place to be. But then eventually you get comfortable with it, and then that becomes really empowering. And you know, it's just incredible. And then like all of a sudden, like you look back five years later, and you're like, "Wow, look what we've built. This is incredible." Do you feel like since you're talking about like the discomfort and living in that uncomfort? What I notice is that when I push myself into those uncomfortable spaces, when I finally write whatever, like that was using the reference before of the email, like even without getting the result, that like there's like bliss. It's like within discomfort is so much bliss. Yeah. Which it's like such a weird space. You're like, you're pushing yourself through this uncomfortable space. You don't know what's going to happen, but there's this like, oh, like the only, I just can only, like the bliss is the only word that it, that I can think yeah. of. <laughs> There's this young rapper, her name's Angel Hayes, and she has this song, she has these lyrics, and she says, risk being uncomfortable to become unstoppable. And like, I always just like loved that lyric. Say I loved it again. the song. It was risk being uncomfortable to become unstoppable. Risk being uncomfortable to become unstoppable. Yeah. I just I thought it was it. such a great lyric. And I just like, it's a good song too, but she... I was just like, yeah, that's just so true. It's like, and it's, it's just getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Like, I really believe that. I, I think so many people are afraid of being uncomfortable, but you know, at Viore, we have this saying, the rise, the shine. It's kind of like, it's our, it's our little brands saying our tagline, but it's like all about that, right? It's the rise represents the obstacle the uncomfortableness, you know, that. Got that. it. Cause when you said the rise of shine, I'm immediately coming to this sun rose and yeah. it's shiny. Yeah. But now I see the deeper level of like you rise to the occasion. Yeah. You yeah. rise past the yeah. version of yourself. You rise up to that fear and then you like feel the shine or you're in the shine. Totally. Or- it's not. It's not rise and shine, although like it kind of plays to that because we're in Southern California and we right. Love so the, that's where my mind yeah. initially went. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's all about the rise, like rising up, overcoming that obstacle, stepping into the unknown, and the shine represents that feeling that you get when you do. What do you feel about that within like your ego? Because like I make up again, you're in that in that space, and probably still, you're like constantly having to probably sell like. You're no longer in a sales role, but you are because you're going to need to sell your vision to these people, to buyers, to whatever of this is that. 
So it can somewhat be like your ego out there, like this is amazing. You're gonna, we are gonna disrupt the clothing industry, or whatever. But that also, what I'm sensing, like you know, that it's more like taking your ego out of it because you believe so much in that that it's like it's part of you, but it's not. Basically, like, do you feel like your ego was involved in that? Or like, like I'm saying that it was sort of like your ego was taken outside of it. Like, do you have any reference? Yeah, I'm trying do to follow. Do you have any idea? I'm, what I'm trying to follow. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't think anything happens in this world without ego. Like, right? Yeah. Our egos are like a part of us and we just need to understand our relationship with it. But, it, but yeah, I mean, I think. Because it is like whatever you're selling, you know, a clothing line or pants, whatever it is. And like, you know, I might be selling like myself, like you need me, whoever you are and you're creating out there. Like we are in some ways salespeople for our visions, for what we believe we're capable of, whether it's a service, a writing, a making of something, you know? So we do need to have our, like ego is involved, but not like an attachment to, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it came up for me in- Call it whatever you want. Like- persuasion is a very important skill in life. And like, it doesn't need to be a negative, it doesn't need a negative connotation. Yeah. It's, it, the, the ability to enlist others. Enroll. It, it doesn't have enlist. to be like, you're not tricking them. You're no. just, you're just educating. Yeah. You're sharing and, and by bringing people on board, that's what a brand, that's what great businesses, Onboarding. great businesses have the ability to align talented people that share a vision for a common goal and all are marching in the same direction. You know, energetically, when you have people swimming in the same direction towards a common goal, super aligned, that's when you build momentum and that's when amazing things happen. You know, if you're if you've got a vision that you can't convey and you can't get people on board and it's not clear, you'll have power struggles. You'll have people swimming in opposite directions and you won't be able to get that momentum. Like it's all about momentum, whether it's life or business, anything. You want to continue rising up over obstacles, build momentum, keep moving forward. And that, that is what I think truly great businesses are able to do. Like, so we're back to like, you leave your company, you're going to, you're fully on board to Viore and you're like in the entrepreneur world, living in the discomfort, but it's good. Yeah. What did you start with? You got investors, like yeah. So we went out to um, raise some money because I, you know, I'd been there without it, trying to do the apparel gig without money, and that that was tough. And especially with the way businesses are being built today, and the advertising and the marketing that's necessary, we knew that we needed some money to do this right. And so yeah, we we went out to friends and family, um, got referred to some other folks that were kind of outside of our close family network. Yeah, it was actually, you know, a good friend of a mutual friend of ours, Tristan Prettyman, um, was really helpful. Um, she was dating a guy named Bill. Um, they got married, but Bill was um at Google Ventures and Tristan really believed in what we were doing and and was able to convince Bill to take a meeting with us and he believed in the concept and they they were our first investor. And when when they came on board, it it became a lot easier. That's one of the things like when you're raising money, it can feel very daunting to get like a million dollars. But what you have to realize is if you get the first right invest the first the right first investor, the rest of the money can become a lot easier so to get. So you can say so and so's investing and then that person was like, "Okay, well if that person believes this is something." Yeah. Then it Yeah. Then 
uh, it makes me be yeah. more willing yeah. to believe in it. Absolutely. It's funny. I hadn't talked to Tristan in a long time. I ran into her at the beach and I shot her a text message the other day, just out of the blue, just kind of like going back to thinking about the past and really reflecting on how we got here. And she was such a f- in, uh, important part of that story. And I just wrote her a message and just thanked her. And I just said, you know, I'm just so grateful for you and for believing in us. Yeah. It is so amazing how just like w- how one person can just in like one small thing, even like a forwarding of an email or telling one person can be such a big game changer. Absolutely. And what you're, we're trying to create in the world or Absolutely. the idea we have. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, okay. So you got investors and that's like, then do you have to like write, sit down, write a business plan? Like that sounds like you're very like, we're going, you're not doing the like learning by the seat of your pants. You're going to like, we pull up, this is how we fund an apparel company. Was it like that? Or do you try, did you do some disruptive things or like? That was the thing, you know, we, we didn't, you know, I think a lot, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in business plans and I didn't believe in it. You know, like I knew that the way that we would be successful was following, you know, a tried and true model plus, you know, leveraging technology and doing, you know, building the brand direct to consumer, which, you know, we weren't the first people to do that. So like investors were looking for a little bit more than that. They were like, well, how are you using technology in a unique way? Is there anything proprietary about your technology and how you're going to approach customers? And the answer was like, no, we're going to use the tools that are available in the marketplace, but we're going to build a brand and a product that's special enough that we're going to connect customers to it. And they're going to feel they want to be a part of it. And that was a really hard message because a lot of investors were like, the risk's too high. There's too many apparel industry. There's too many apparel businesses out there. There's nothing differentiated. I, I don't get it. You know. Because that's what, even if somebody out there that is a potential investor, they might be like, yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds great. But they're also like, but I'm going to need to see a return on my money. So even though I think that's great, I'm not sure if enough people are going to buy that or going to like whatever. So it's like somebody might believe in it and love what you're up to, but is that enough for them to risk their money? Yeah, it was hard, you know, and that's where persuasion comes in, you know, like. What did you use? What, what do you feel like? What got people there or what made you different or what? I've got, so I didn't feel like I had the background. I did, I'd never built a successful apparel brand and Chris Miller um, had. So Chris, who's still on our board today was really formative and, you know, just being on the phone, you know, I typically led the conversations, but Chris would be there in support. And the original plan, Chris was going to be more of a part of the business than, than it's turned out that he is. But, you know, he, um, he was right there with me through all of it. And it gave me a lot of confidence because I could always point to Chris and say, look, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been successful in this business, but here's my partner. Chris has been successful in the business that we're going to start. Yeah. And by the way, Google Ventures is also in. Um, they see something in us. And so it made the conversation a lot easier. Up until that point, we are trying to raise money for you know, quite a while and it was hard. You know, We had some money committed, but it wasn't enough to get the business going. And it wasn't until, you know, Bill came in with Google Ventures that like things really became easy. And, you know, and then Jason came in and a handful of others and we, you know, were really able to get it out of the gates. But that wasn't the moment that we started having success. That was the moment we were able to start the business. That's what I was like, that's just the very start. So the start is like fighting to get the money to make it happen. And then you have to get to work making it happen. Yeah, then it's time to actually go out and see if you have something. And that's where 
the real, I mean, you know, it's all like in entrepreneurship, the path is filled with so much anxiety because like the first phase, getting the money can be very hard to do. Once you've got it, it's even more nerve wracking because you have now obligated all these people that your friends and family that you have enlisted to, to follow you on this path. You want to go out and you do right by them. You want to yeah. give them a great return and you want to you want to follow through on your end of the bargain. And sometimes the market will just tell you that it's not going to happen. And that's okay. Like not all investments go well. But yeah. It was going to be really hard for me to face people that were have been lifelong friends and tell them I've lost their money. I just I just did not want to have to be in that position. So it was nerve wracking. So was that also then like, I'm guessing you've gotten nerves. That means like fears and doubts are coming up, but you're also like, I have this, I have to like, it's not, you know, it's for me and my vision, but then I want to make good on these people and their money. So like, I got to keep working and making this happen and make this thing real that I'm envisioning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was like a seven day a week you know, there was no such thing as a nine to five. I was all consumed living, breathing, eating Viore for many, many years. And, um, but I loved it. You know, it wasn't work. I loved it. I loved every minute. There were moments, you know, my, my wife, Alon, you know, she'll tell you in those early days, like there were a lot of times that I came home and I was like, I don't think this is going to go. Was that before it had even launched or like, no, that was like after we got the money and we were like through our first year and it was just tough sledding. Like we didn't, we hadn't defined, cause we needed to go out and raise more money and we hadn't. At, but so at that point you're, you're in, are you have products, you are yeah. selling them, yeah. but you need to get more money. Cause that's the thing. Like if people that might not like you have money, you got to make the product, you're selling the product, but like at wholesale, like there's not as very much, much profit in things. And then you're there paying people that are working for you. Like, so it's not like, even if you're making money and selling the products, that not necessarily means that you're making a ton of profit. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you can have a lot of sales before you're profitable. Yeah. Then you're like, we need more money to make more product. But then you're, so like, there goes the money that you might've, that you made. The profit is constantly going back into the company. You know, with, with sophisticated businesses that, that like know how to raise money, Typically, your first money is to proof concept, right? And so really what we were trying to do before we ran out of money was define, quote unquote, an engine of growth. It was like, this works. When we put a dollar in here, we get $3 out. This is a model that's scalable between wholesale, retail, e-commerce. We can define a model for success. And so with this next round of money, we can take it to profitability. That's all we were trying to do. And at the first end of our first year, we were running out of money and we hadn't defined that engine of growth yet. And I knew that going back to the market to raise more money was going to be very challenging. And I even had investors that were close friends and mentors that pretty much said at that point, like, I don't think I can participate in another because round of, of funding. Because of what the numbers look like yeah. at that point. Yeah. And just like what, it, you know, we we had a lot of sales, like, but- it wasn't enough. You know, it looked like what it was going to be was maybe just a small business that if I owned a hundred percent of it and didn't have investors, great. Maybe it could have supported me or one to two people, but it was like, does it have legs to get out of the garage and become a brand that has real value? And that making that leap from like small business, a couple people just working for a, an, a, an income 
that can support them to a business that can support hundreds of people and provide great returns to investors and actually has you know enough influence to actually go out and like create real change or do something impactful in the world like that's it's a big jump and so like while we were successful like kind of early on there wasn't like that thing that just was like this is your tipping point it's right around the corner we just need this and that was what i was missing and so i knew that getting money was going to be really hard so what we did is we took the money we had left and we put it into a new strategy online 100% online focused we said forget wholesale for now all we care about is direct to consumer marketing and e-commerce which if people that don't know wholesale means selling so to not sell his brand to other stores to sell like whether it be a your local surf shop or Macy's or whatever athletic store when you see brands at stores it's because they're selling the product for a smaller amount to them for them to make money so that everybody makes money but then of course they're making less money direct to consumer means hey just selling it to selling it just not just but selling to customers right yeah. so buying online yeah direct from the brand yeah as opposed to a middleman right which and, then um, means you make more profit and you're also it's a lot of energy not spent in trying to create those wholesale opportunities yeah. and stuff as well. Yeah. But it typically requires a much bigger marketing investment than yeah. wholesale because you've you've got to get that end customer to be aware of who you are. Exactly. And so it costs money. It's not easy to do. And so that that decision, that little pivot in our in our history was like very formative of the future. And so we went all in on a strategy online. And that was when things started working. Like we would invest a dollar, we'd get a dollar back. Before you knew it, we were investing a dollar and getting $2 back. And then we were getting $3 back and then $4 back. And we- So you never went to the second round for investors no, or not yet? We, not yet. So this was right before we were going to run out of money. We went all in on this new strategy to go direct to consumer. And that decision saved our business because we started getting the data that we needed to go back to those investors and raise money again. And so we did a small follow-on round. We got a little more money and we've never had to go back since. And so where are you at now? Where is Viore at now? Viore today, we've got about 60 employees. That's amazing. We... We just, it's funny, um, we just, a month ago, we moved into our new office. It's a 13,000 square foot office. We have a yoga studio, a fitness studio in the space. We have a full curriculum of yoga teachers. And wow. like I did Pilates today at lunch with this incredible Pilates teacher came in, taught, our, taught a Pilates class. Um, yeah, we're just, we're, we're hiring incredible people. We have an amazing team. We're making tons of investments into our culture and really aligning um, kind of, you know, our internal values with the brand's kind of values. And yeah, just really, really having a lot of fun with it. You know, we're an international business now. We have business in Japan and Canada and the US. And are you US. back now? Do you still, are you just direct to consumer or did you switch no, back to wholesale now? So now, now the business is omni-channel. So we have- Omni-channel. Omni-channel. So we sell to REI. Um, we have a big wholesale business. We have an e-commerce oh, business. And then um, we have three retail stores. Three? We have three. I didn't know that. Three retail stores. We're going to open a couple more this year. 
And so to me, that sounds like, wow, you did it. It's successful. But I'm guessing, (laughs) are there still questions of will this last, the fears and doubts that come up? Well, you know, it's it's not really about fears and doubts. Um, or what comes up. It's like the, the conversation has just shifted a bit. You know, it's not as much about um, will the business make it, but now it's about like, what do we do with this incredible gift that we've been given? And how do we continue to navigate um, the future? Like, what does it hold? You know, obviously trends come and go. And yeah, of course, there's always going to be that worry. I really believe in Viore. I really believe in the space that we're in. I believe that people are only going to continue investing in their own well-being, learning more about their their body, their mind, their spirit. And I think that as long as that's happening, we'll hopefully have a seat at the table and be able to be in the conversation. Awesome. Okay. I have a couple just questions. I brought keychains here as I've been doing with every guest and having everyone pick one. And I want to know which one you picked and why. Keychains from my line, obviously. <laughs> this one was actually really easy for me. I'm sometimes not great with, with these types of choices, but um, I went with so fucking grateful. And why did that one call out to you? Out of all of them. Because I think when in my life, when I shifted from a kind of a mindset of, I don't know what you'd call it, but to a mindset of gratitude and just being appreciative of everything that I have around me and really just calling that forward, I think everything, my perspective on everything changed. My, my friends kind of evolved, like just everything got richer in my life. And and also, I'm just sitting on the other side of just the last five years of of launching this business. Like I can truly say that I've, I'm just l- truly living my purpose, my dream, whatever you want to say. Like I love, I love going to work. I love creating every day with incredible people, and I'm just so grateful for my family, my business. So it just seemed right. Got it. Okay. What is something that you do if you're not feeling on it, inspired, like you're going to go have a meeting, whatever, you're going to talk to your, to your, what do you call it? Your staff, your, (laughs) my team, your team. There we go. I was like, staff doesn't feel right. And you're like, not feeling, what is something you do to up your joy levels? Well, go to the last year and a half or so, um, I've been getting in the ice. So I stopped taking warm showers. I started taking cold showers. That has been a game changer for me. Like you like you don't take a hot shower period. Like if you're going to go take a shower, you take it cold. I try to take cold showers. I mean, occasionally if it's really cold or I just right. need to warm up, I'll take a, a warmer shower, but yeah, for the most part I take cold showers. But that's not it. Like I guess <laughs> Well, yeah, but I am interested in that. Like that's What I'm something- getting at is like so I've I've just found like so yoga, I don't actually practice the physical practice of yoga that much anymore, partly because I realized I was just moving through like a vinyasa flow super fast, wasn't great for my body. And, mm-hmm. and what I needed was a little bit slower. And so I actually have a morning ritual every day. I wake up, I do breath work. So kind of more the the breath aspect of yoga, I still practice. Um, and then 
um, I do some light exercising, light stretching, do a meditation. And um, I try to get in the ice if I can. Get in the ice. Yeah. So I have an ice bath here. You have an ice bath I have here? an ice bath. Yeah. That's so, is that like, there's places now that exist that are like. Well, there's like cryotherapy. Cryo, so it's not that, but it's like a similar, I guess, effect where that's like you stand in some booth and they're like blowing cold air. Yes, or something that's like that. cryo. Okay. Ice baths are just what you'd imagine. Yeah, where did that come from? You know, from? I, I just, I guess I'm a- Because that's cu- something with athletes, right? Yeah, athletes. And, you know, people are finding that, um, you know, we live, if you think about who we are as like homo sapiens, right? We evolved from being outside, like in nature, connected to the earth, connected to elements. And then all of a sudden we became an indoor, like domesticated breed, right? We live inside. We, <laughs> I'm like, where is this coming from with ice? But okay. We're rarely in the sun. <laughs> And then this guy, Wim Hof. Have you heard of Wim Hof? No. Well, maybe. It sounds familiar, so his but I name's can't the, place I, it. The Iceman. You should watch his documentary on Vice. But I, I watched this documentary on uh, about Wim Hof, and he's just talking about reconnecting to the earth and reconnecting to the elements and rebuilding a relationship with the cold. And wow. he, I mean, I don't want to like- you So know, that's where your cold showers and your ice He inspired me from. to start like trying this because I was like, this guy's incredible. He, he can control his- um, autonomic nervous system he he can influence his own immune response so mm-hmm. he they can they've injected like e coli and different bacteria into him and he through his breath work and his techniques he's Whoa. he's built autobody the immune system the immune response to fight things off that literally like doctors he's like defying what doctors thought was possible and it's all through his mind and his connection to cold and his breath work and so anyway just like whether it's Wim Hof or it's another <laughs> modality, I'm just a curious person okay. and I just love trying new things. And how does it make you feel to be in the ice bath or yeah. the cold shower? It makes me feel amazing. Like, like honestly, alive? If, you, if you wake up every day and before you start your day, you go and jump into ice water. I so am shaking my head like hell. Like I wake up cold and that's what will like keep me in bed. I'm the opposite where I just bought like an infrared sauna sleeping bag <laughs> thing to like sit in sweat for 45 minutes yeah. and the things are like i'm a not total opposite totally. you right now. well no i mean i think you know talking about like <laughs> following your fear and letting that guide you like i was a cold i was a cold person too but i knew there was something up i'm like why is it 70 degrees and i'm cold and need a sweatshirt i was like okay light bulb moment like i need to change that Ugh. maybe by going into the cold and developing a relationship with cold maybe okay. all my body temperature oh my will God. start to regulate and like for me that's worked like getting wow. into ice every day i'm never cold anymore like i could go Crazy. out on a 60 degree windy day in southern california with a t-shirt and shorts and i'd be fine okay so let's i'm glad we got into that topic but like so what's something else that like let's say you're like at work or whatever you're gonna do something like you're not just like probably gonna you're gonna like run home and take an ice bath <laughs> <laughs> to raise your joy levels that raise that seems to be sustaining your everyday joy levels but like something that you might do to get out of a funk or an attitude or something no i mean I find that when I just, when I'm intentional about my like morning rituals, like I'm just, I don't have those ups and downs. Wow. And I think that that is, you know, I'm as an entrepreneur, as anybody who's led a business that's growing fast, I mean, it's chaos. And so yeah. you have to find a way to stabilize your energy and your mood um, and allow like obstacles to brush off your shoulders. And so for me, having that morning practice, like, just helps me 
God. Do you have an evening practice then as well? Or it's just more for you the morning? No, my evenings are just like chasing my kid around the house and playing, you know. <laughs> and passing out. From- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but for me, it's it's all about those starting my day right. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Something I wrote and I've been asking everybody recently is that I realized I had thought what is easiest for me is not always what is best for me. Is there somewhere you can think to apply that in your own life right now? What is easiest for me is not always what is best for me. Where sometimes we can slide into that easier choice, but seeing it's not what's best. Yeah. I mean, I feel like kind of indirectly, I feel like we've kind of talked about that (laughs) just all this entire conversation about like- Pretty much like not really been taking the easiest route on stuff, including jumping up and getting into again. It's like develop a relationship with the uncomfortable, you know, like that's definitely never the easiest path, right? Like for me, I love to climb mountains because it's so hard. It's so hard, but like when you come on the other side and you're done, you just feel amazing. So it's like, yeah, like I don't, I, I don't have a relationship with easy. Like, I just don't. Mm, well, and that's what it's so most of the time. It's, it's, you know, for myself and when I'm asking people that it's usually, you know, what what keeps us from making what might be that best choice, or that easiest choice is because of that feeling we get. Right. You know, like for me, it could even be like what's easiest for me is to stay in my warm, cozy bed in the morning. But I feel so much better when I wake up and I like do some movement and stuff before my kids come and like yeah. wake me up. So like, you know, it's because then how much I feel. So like, that's like one easy example or like what's easiest for me is for me to do these interviews just from my house, like using Zoom or Skype than to be facing traffic and traveling and scheduling work. But what's best for me is the way I feel when I'm in a person, in a oh, room yeah. with someone connecting with that. Yeah. So it is where it's like, yeah, like you are said so you don't really have a relationship with easy. It's like, and I think, do you think it's because you're able to recognize those feelings that you have and that that's what thrives. Like what, what, what makes you be that person that has always jumped and been like, cool, cold showers. Totally. I mean, I have moments, I have moments of fear all the time that come up for me. Like I don't like public speaking, but I've been invest, invited to go present at investor conferences or consumer conferences and talk about our story. And it's nerve wracking to talk about talk in front of a group of investors and investment bankers and people that understand and have seen every great consumer brand that's come before me talk. And I'm up there like sharing my story. It's really, really nerve wracking. But like, again, I always am like, yes. Like going into the year, I was like, I need to speak in public three times this year. Mm, Like you realize I'm uncomfortable in this. So I am setting the, I'm I'm going, going to, go to do, do it, it because I know that it'll just develop me more. Like typically if I'm scared of it, it's like, okay, I need to go towards that because yeah. that, that's my, that's my path to, to growth. Yeah. And that's, I like they brought that up because, you know, one of my like original phrases and I still have it on some products is fuck your fears. And that I think that sometimes people could take it and maybe even my intention was like, fuck it, like ignore them or something. But it's more now like, well, feel your fears and keep going. But meaning like, don't let them stop you. And that I feel like listen to those fears because they're trying to tell you something. Yeah. And it doesn't mean go the other way or stop doing it. It usually means like, hey, there's something here. Maybe go deeper. Yeah. Like there's something on the other side of this. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, but I now have been wondering, I wonder if people see fuck your fears in like, then like, I don't know. You know what? But I've just now been like, fears are important. 
don't let them stop you. Listen to them and dive in and explore them. Yeah, totally. All right, last thing. The working title for this podcast, which I might not end up even going with, is Claim It. Meaning that I feel we all need to claim things for ourselves. That no amount of money, success, love from other people can give you anything unless you are there to claim it for yourself. Mm -hmm. So what are you claiming for yourself today, right now? I'm claiming my humanness. Mm. I think think especially like in the yoga community or in like, you know, I think it's really popular today to kind of try to like move past our humanness. And I think it's really important to just recognize that we're human which means like we have, we have more potential than we could possibly even conceive in our minds. But it also means that we sometimes make stupid mistakes and we fall down and we look like idiots. And, and it's just like all a part of this incredible opportunity that we're given to be on earth and be human. And so today I'm just claiming my humanness and I hope to claim that every day from here on I out. love that. And I'm so for that. And that's, you know, somewhat of the intention of this podcast is that I'm talking to people that I find intriguing that have different levels of success or that people are like, wow, that person, but like being like, you're different. You like are a badass and have made this company happen. But it's also like, we all have these this like humanist part of us. And so that seeing and that sharing these stories as that whatever you who is listening out there right now, that like you can fight through, not fight through, claim your own humanness and be okay with it. And that that's where I am too. It's like, yeah, we have doubts, we have fears, we have stress, we have this. And that doesn't mean you're not enough or you can't make your dreams happen. Right. It's just cool. We're all going to have that. It's just going to keep coming up. Totally. So just keep working your way through it and cl- like make your own life for yourself Absolutely. and to push through those things. Absolutely. You're not going to like get to some magical, mystical place yeah. where you're not going to be fighting the human condition. <laughs> Never will stop. Just <laughs> enjoy it. Embrace it. Yeah. Thanks for talking with me. It was so good to chat. <laughs> it's amazing how like we're catching up after, I don't know how many years now, but like we're doing it via podcast. I think this is pretty cool. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like an intentional way of like going deep with somebody. That yeah. Probably if we just grabbed a coffee, we wouldn't have had this no, conversation. No, and that's what's fun because I am having conversations with a lot of people I've known for many years and some in different ways and that I am uncovering no matter how well I think I know somebody that it's just like, when do we sit around and have these like deep, like, let me just keep on questioning you and digging. Totally. It's true. Everybody (laughs) should do this, right? Like we should get together and just have a, I'm going to interview you today. Yeah. Really? I'm not even launching a podcast. I've just been wanting to have conversations with (laughs) And I finally got people to say yes to hanging out with me. (laughs) (laughs) That would be amazing. If you walked up out of here and you were like, yeah, I didn't record any of that. That would be the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. This thing? That's my my kid's toy. All right. Any final words? No. Thank you so much for calling me and giving me the opportunity. This has been fun. Thank you. I love you. And I'm so proud of what you built. Thank you, Trish. Love you too. Thank you. I love Joe. He's such a good guy. And um, it was fun to learn even more about him and his journey and the little insights that he shared. His brand, again, is called Viori, V-U-O-R-I. 
You can find it at Viore Clothing on Instagram and vioreclothing.com. That's where you can find Joe, really, is his brand. He is all about that brand and their mission. They do, if you are in Encinitas, California, or near them, check them out. They're always having fun events. So cool. If you listen to the episode and are enjoying it, I hope you're enjoying it if you've made it this far. <laughs> Share about it. Tag us. Leave a review. If you review the podcast, you can screenshot it and email it to me yourjoyologist at yourjoyologist.com. I pick someone each week to send a box full of goodies to from my affirmation-based product line. Yeah, I have a product line with mugs, the keychains, journals, notepads, magnets, an affirmation deck, all of that, which you can find at yourjoyologist.com. That's also Your Joyologist Shop on Instagram. I'm at Your Joyologist on Instagram. So as a thank you, I'll pick someone to send a box full of goodies, but you're welcome to shop it anytime. <laughs> the reviews, um, they actually make the podcast easier for other people to find. So that's why I urge you to leave a review, to share it on social media, to share it with your friends, because there's a lot of good stuff in these episodes, I feel like, that we can apply to our own life. and also. Make sure you download my daily inspiration app. It's called Own Your Awesome, and you can get it in the app store. And today I'm going to leave you with the final thought that I ask everybody what is easier for you is not always what is best for you. Think about that for yourself. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. And feel free to send me a message at your drill just on Instagram and let me know. Say it out loud helps you to get through it more. All right, go have an awesome day and claim your joy.